What's going on, guys? This is the Founder Hour Podcast. I'm your co-host, Pat. And I'm Posh. And we're hanging out today with Paymon Roth. Is it Roth? Yeah. Paymon Roth. Paymon, thanks for being on the show, man. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to learn more about your story. And, and you guys um, have built an amazing brand. And we're excited to you know learn more about that. But before we do, uh, let's take it back to like your personal story and where you grew up and all that kind of stuff. So tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so I was born in Italy in 1994. So um, I have a younger brother who I started Mad Happy with. We were both born there. Our parents are from Iran, so mm-hmm. they moved uh, there during the revolution. Grew up there, moved to L.A. when I was six, and my brother was four, so in 2000. And then grew up in L.A. most of my life. Uh, went to college at Michigan, uh, graduated 2016, and around 2017 was when we launched Mad Happy. Why did your parents decide to? Because my parents are actually from Iran too. I'm Armenian, but uh, it's funny because they went there, and then my mom went to Spain, my dad went to England, and then they came here. Was yeah. that was that or the reason they went to Italy just to kind of similar? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of random in a way, and yeah. that like people weren't fully choosing where they were going. They were kind of going where like my mom's brother happened to be there and my dad had a relative there. So they just happened to go there and they didn't even really have an idea of for sure coming to the U.S. I think a lot of my mom's family living here, like, and the opportunity that there would be for like my brother and and me was like the ultimate reason we ended up coming. But um, definitely grateful for that. Yeah. Was it, was it tough for them? Like that transition or, or like for your family, like to pick up and leave from their home, I guess, like to come here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it was like very hard. I was like six. So it was like hard to see, but, uh, thinking back, like I can't imagine being in my like late thirties, early forties, moving to like a new country where I don't speak the language. I think that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and they did that and like started their own business here, which is like amazing. And um, so what did they, what did your parents do back in Iran or like your family? I guess? Yeah. So, um, both my parents went to college in Italy. So their first jobs were in Italy after that. Um, my dad, my dad studied architecture. My mom studied interior design, mm-hmm. but they weren't doing Tag that. Team. In, yeah. They weren't yeah. doing that in Italy. They, um, they actually owned like a restaurant, um, a jewelry store, like a bunch of different things. And then when we moved here, uh, they started working more in like what they studied. So mm-hmm. doing, um like homes and apartment buildings like the interior so like kitchens bathrooms bringing everything from italy so like it's like a cool connection to what they grew up with when they came here did they know what they were going to be doing i mean they obviously were coming to this new country and didn't really know you know how the country really functioned um and you know what the societies looked like What, what what did they do when they first got here i think that it was lucky that a lot of my mom's family lived here and actually my dad was really good friends with my mom's brother that's how he met my mom uh, but he moved here uh first mm-hmm. so he was already working in the space uh so they kind of started working together when he moved here so it was like at least that part of it was easier to transition because someone had been doing it for a couple of years now uh but i'm sure that there was like a lot of like doubt and mm-hmm. un- uncertainty around everything they were right. doing Growing up, even as you were kind of in your teenage years, did you did you see the work that your parents were doing as entrepreneurs or, you know, as almost immigrant entrepreneurs? I mean, did that ever resonate with you or is it something that you more so looked back now and realized, oh, okay, like this made sense, this makes sense. Wow, I see that in myself right now. Yeah, I think I think it was interesting because I definitely saw my parents working like super hard, but and also like I kind of always felt like I had like some like chip on my shoulder because like I moved here, like I didn't speak English when I was in like first grade. And um, so I didn't like immediately like fit in. So I think that was like definitely like a part of like something that like grew within me as I got older. It wasn't something that like I was like, oh, like I know what this feeling is. Um, but like, you know, it was like more of a unique situation. Of course, there's like so many like Persians in LA, but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it was a little bit different in that like, I was born in Italy and like I moved here and like right. I couldn't speak English and like I spoke Farsi and like all these different things. And, um, but I think like ultimately like it really like helped me and my brother just cause like we have a pretty different perspective. Um, and of course, like we grew up in LA for the most part, but I think like having that has been helpful for sure. Going deeper into that though. I mean, I feel like we've talked to several people that have similar, um, stories, but I really want to kind of go deep on this topic is, why do you think that that chip on your shoulder existed? Like, I mean, like, okay, you're like an immigrant. Who cares? Yeah. Like, a lot of people are. What? Yeah. Why? Why? Why did you think that you had a chip on your shoulder and that you had something to prove? Yeah, 
It's a good question. I don't think it's like the chip on your shoulder thing. I, I don't really think it's like something you like choose to have or not. Uh, I think like just the way I've been like ever since I was pretty young, I was always like pretty type A, like just trying to like get the best grades, like perform really well. Like, and, and it was more like, like an internal thing versus like trying to like do something good that my parents would like. Um, and I think like, as I got older, I kind of realized, oh, like, like, why am I like trying so hard? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like why, like why am I so motivated to do these things? And I think like some for of it, what? Like what's yeah, the purpose? Yeah, like what's the purpose? Like, it's very, like when you're young, it's like, oh, you're doing it because like you think, oh, I have to get good grades right. or whatever. A lot of but, it comes from parents. Like, yeah, the pressure some comes from and parents. And then, but then like, even now, like I think like one of my things for better or worse is like, I'm very like competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've gotten better at like balancing that, but um, kind of realized that like, I think a lot of it was like, just like feeling like I was like very different or like less than like a lot of the people that were my friends growing up or whatever. And like, they had lived here for so many years and like they're, they were doing their own thing and like whatever. And I think for me, it was like, that was like a big motivating factor. Um, but I think just came about as I continued to grow up uh, and still with me today, obviously. Was there ever like a situation when you were like just kind of young in elementary school, you just moved here where, uh, I don't know, someone just didn't treat you right or something where you're like, Oh, I get it. Like, I gotta, I gotta kind of look out for myself and really, like, yeah, maybe like that kind of explains it. Yeah, I mean, I think that like for the most part, everyone's really nice, and like the the people I became friends with in like first and second grade are like still my best friends today, which is pretty crazy. Like, mm-hmm. um, it was one of my friends' birthdays yesterday, and like fifteen of us have been friends since That's like awesome. first grade, which is which is like pretty which is, unique. It's also rare, yeah. yeah like a lot it, of times, you guys kind of, I mean, people kind of go their own separate yeah, path, especially and, and after high school. Of course, it's happened um, with some of our friends, but yeah. I think like. Uh, th- that's very unique and I'm very grateful for that. Uh, I think some of it was like, definitely like I did have experiences growing up where like I would be like speaking Farsi or Italian cause I didn't speak English. And like, I would just like feel like weird or like not the same as people. Uh, I don't really remember those specific things, but definitely like stuff happened that like got in my brain or subconscious and like mm-hmm. led to like me like having those feelings probably. You mentioned you're um, really competitive. Did you play any sports when you were a kid? Yeah. So I mean, growing up, I played soccer, basketball, all those things. Yeah. And then in high school, played basketball. So, mm-hmm. like, uh, was super passionate about that. And um, we were pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you're, you know, you're, let's talk about like high school. Um, what did you, did you kind of know what you wanted to do after high school? Did you have an idea? And, and where did that come from? Was it kind of just out of your own, you know, wanting to do it? Or I don't know, was there pressure from society, parents? For sure. Yeah. Again, I think like everything with school, like I was always like very type A, like trying to do really well, trying to get all A's, trying to get into the best schools. So that was kind of like on myself, um, applied to a bunch of schools. I actually growing up, like for whatever reason, I like really wanted to go to Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, and I applied early there. I didn't get in. I was like crushed like mm-hmm. December of like 2011. This is from high school? Yeah. And, and just to cut you off, sorry to cut you off, but just to kind of a thing on that, um, why do you think that was? Like why... I know you said it was from yourself, like internally yeah. you wanted to do do really well and all yeah. that. Why do you think that was? Like what was, did you ever find out, I guess back then what that purpose was that you really were working towards? Yeah, I mean, I definitely like wanted to, I obviously wanted my parents to be proud and and, and all of those sorts of things. And um, I think just wanted to have a quote unquote successful life or felt like that was like the next step I needed to take. Like I think growing up, like I was very like, rigid and like i was like oh like i need to get good grades and i go to a good school then i get a good job and like follow this specific mm-hmm. path which like ultimately like it changed a lot from that yeah, of course um, it always does right yeah for sure and and i think that growing up like i only knew one way so i was like oh like i have to get really good grades like this is what i'm doing right now and it wasn't even like a thing like i was lucky that like school like came more easily to me so it wasn't like mm-hmm. something that was like overburdensome at all and like mm-hmm. it was just like part of like who i was and like most of my friends were like similar um and i think like not getting into stanford and and some of those types of schools i was like kind of like taken back because it was Mm -hmm. like a mini like failure in a way like for me at least um and then just like from there like i think got into michigan and and loved the school and felt like it was like the next best step for me and and really like grateful i made that choice Mm -hmm. was it a shocking transition going from la to michigan not really honestly i i think definitely like those like homesick type feelings of like going to like a new state. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really have older people that I knew there. And I think that's helpful for a lot of people Mm -hmm. when you know someone that goes there. Uh, But luckily like four or five kids and two of which were like my really good friends also went to Michigan my Mm -hmm. year. 
so that really helped. Um, you did business there, right? Yeah, so I started business there, and it's an amazing business school, yeah. but also just like it's a very well-rounded school. So anyone you meet that goes to Michigan, for the most part, like only has really good things to say and like really cares about other people that went to Michigan, which isn't really true about a lot of other schools. Mm -hmm. So I think going there instead of like the other things I was thinking about, schools I was thinking about going to, like ultimately ended up being like one of the best things that like ever happened. Yeah. And were you dead set on like studying business and that's what you wanted to do? There was nothing else that you were thinking about? Yeah. I think like I also had like a very like narrow mindset growing up as well. Like I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or any of those like specific paths. Yeah. Um, it just like seems so like boring to me, like not didn't have anything against it and took all like the science classes and all that. But I was just like, this really isn't for me. And business seemed like a, a good path in that like it didn't limit you in any specific ways mm. thinking back like i was also closed-minded i didn't like yeah. computer science and all these things that i should have thought about like yeah. i didn't even think about yeah um, what would you have done like going back would you have done things differently like would you have studied a different major yeah may maybe like something like computer science i think is like uh so valuable and like the stuff you learn in in like a business degree like is like you can learn that stuff pretty yeah. easily I, I went to business school too yeah. so i'm laughing I, I know what you mean yeah it's just like yeah. the stuff like you know like any of the stuff we've done at mad happy hasn't really been like directly related to what i learned in right. business school of course like the basic accounting and finance stuff is important mm -hmm. uh but i think like if you can get through like a computer science degree like yeah. you can learn like how to do accounting. i feel like it's more like the way of thinking right like that you really take away i don't know if it was the same for you but like the, the actual topical stuff um like the content a lot of it's like in, in a way outdated like marketing classes and that kind of right. stuff unless unless you're working on like real world things um a lot of that stuff is just kind of like the approach right that you take and like in the real world maybe you can see things a little quicker than if you didn't know right? yeah yeah for but, sure i think like the best thing about ross was also like the school itself was like a smaller part of michigan so yeah. it was like pretty tight-knit community like most of the people were like very smart the teachers were great so like you're still exposed to whether it's through cases or different different like right. activities you're doing like the stuff that like you really carried with you right like how to work in these teams right like there's a lot of like team building activities and stuff like that is more relevant to what i'm doing now than any of the more like topical yeah. stuff what was your biggest takeaway from college yeah i think i think it, it really wasn't the school stuff it was just like more like I feel like everywhere that like I went, like I tried to like be really good in that place. So like in high school, I got really good at school and I was good at like I was on the basketball team and all that. And like, it's a lot harder to do that at like a school like Michigan. So I think balancing like the fraternity I was in, also like having like a great time and like being able to like visit all these other schools, like um, doing like a little China abroad thing for three weeks over the summer, like things like that were and the people I met were like everything, right? Like, I think that's the biggest thing is, especially a school like Michigan, like the network and not of just the people you go to school with, but like of the alumni and the people that like care and want you to succeed, like has like helped me like every day and like mad happy today. Mm -hmm. Do you, did you, or did you back then while you were at Michigan do any sort of pragmatic experience type uh, activities that were directly related to business? So did you ever get business internship or anything like that that was able to give you the know-how of how to start or how to run a business yeah i mean i think i so internship wise like i interned at a few like incubator type vc places uh i think from in michigan like a, no like in the during the summers yeah. like no, nothing really directly at michigan because like i also like I always knew I wanted to start my own company, but it wasn't like, I never really thought I would start one like out of college. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really like optimizing for that. But I think like, I always love like the venture world and stuff like that. And startups were very interesting to me. So I think like working at some of those companies gave me like some view into it. But again, like nothing that like really like compared at all to yeah. when we started. So what path were you on? I mean, you were you on the finance path or? Yeah, so finance. So basically R Ross for the most part the school like Almost everyone does like either investment banking or consulting or one of these. It's like things. it's the same. I, I went to yeah. Marshall yeah. USC and it's like exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I actually, when I graduated, I was doing banking in New York. Yeah. Um, like a summer, like you were like a summer analyst. I did a summer analyst, and then yeah. that was actually my first job out of college that oh, I cool. did for a bit. Um, and then long story short, I ended up moving back before we started Mad Happy. But yeah, um, but like, uh, so how did the, you? you 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 got that job and you w was the idea you were going to just stay there for like a couple of years and yeah, then move on because yeah, that's generally what happened for sure right? yeah the idea was you know two years then private equity and blah 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 um i think that 
I think I learned like just like now that like it was like I felt like that was another part of like the path, right? Like I have to do this and I have to do this. And it's just like really doesn't make sense. Um, mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of lucky things happen for us to start Mad Happy. But um, if it didn't happen, like I could have easily still been on like some type of path like that. I yeah. assume you hated investment banking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not to say that like I, I hated it and that's why I left. Uh, I would definitely say it's not like a very like inspiring job at all. Um, and I didn't even do it for long enough to be like, oh my God, like this is like the worst thing ever, right? Like yeah. within a few months, um, I basically like got pretty sick. Like I was like feeling like very sick. So I came home for a little. Um, Were you like, and, was it like a matter of just like not sleeping and yeah, working so, a lot? Yeah. Or? So it, that's like a, like, that's what everyone thinks. And it was like, kind of like, not even that I was just like, not feeling like myself. And it was like gotcha. the first time I'd ever like, I was like really tired all the time. Yeah. I was just like, fell out of it, like kind of weak. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I came home for a little, like kind of around Thanksgiving ish. Um, and I was just trying to get better going to doctors, like try to figure so it like out three years ago. Yeah, exactly. This is your first year in investment. Yeah, yeah, so I started working in June. Okay. And I came home like I think like late October. And I was like, all right, like I'll take a couple of weeks, yeah. like I'll get better and I'll go back. And it's just like couldn't figure it out. The doctors were like, Oh, nothing's wrong. Like I was like couldn't figure it out for, for a, over a month. And then like going into like the holidays that year, like I was like, I honestly like don't think it's like the right move for me to go back. Like I was like very scared that like I was starting to feel a little better, but I was like, if I go and it gets worse and blah, Was it blah, just blah. like this feeling in your stomach? It was more like, it, it, it was definitely like a- like, I meant like more so, not the illness itself, but like just this feeling that you had that yeah. you shouldn't go back. Yeah, like in a way, like I think when I left, like I kind of knew that I wasn't going back, right. like deep down. Right. Um, and I think, of course, like I was in my own head and I didn't know what was wrong. And it was the first time in my life where- I, I felt like I was like really failing, right? Like I was leaving my apartment in New York with my friends from school and I was like basically like quitting this job. But I think soon after, like um, around December, like I said, like was like the first time we ended up like talking about Mad Happy and, and talking mm-hmm. to my brother and Mason and, and all of that. But that only happened because like I happened to be home and yeah. I didn't really know what I would be doing next and and all of that. So I think that that's really how that came to be. Yeah, and before we get into Mad Happy, um. Do you, did you ever like figure out or I guess um, think about like why, what that was, like what you were feeling? Like what was it? I guess if you can explain it. Yeah. So I was having like very much like mono like symptoms. Okay. So if you guys are familiar, but mm-hmm. um, there's, there's like a whole category of like this like chronic fatigue type stuff that's like very hard to diagnose. Mm-hmm. So it's like almost impossible for you to go to a doctor and like them tell you exactly what's wrong. Right. So like really the only things that I could do was kind of wait it out and sleep a lot, eat well and, and just try to improve that way, right? Like I was doing like all sorts of like yeah. acupuncture and random stuff really like, and and so I don't think I'll ever really know exactly what it was. But do you think and it was because of like the investment banking lifestyle? I don't, or was think, it... I don't think so yet because like it hadn't even been that long. Right. And it wasn't like yeah. I was super sleep deprived when and I And you're like a young, young guy. Like yeah. Shouldn't, yeah. I was like super young and like the summer before when I was working at the bank as well, like it was great. Like I was like yeah. going out. It was really fun. Like I was like with my friends. And when I moved to New York, um, I had already been like feeling off a bit and and I was like tired and the, during training and stuff like that so it was a little bit different and um i really don't want to blame like the company at all because yeah. like it wasn't something like that right. just nature's um, way of bringing you back home yeah <laughs> i honestly like do think so and, and it sounds obviously a little bit like yeah. woo woo or whatever yeah, but whatever. Um, but that's that's really what i think yeah. so when did the idea for mad happy first come i mean or what was that idea or what was that discussion with your brother and mason for sure. So I think the background on that is that my brother and Mason, so Mason's been my friend for like 10-ish years. Uh, him from and my, high school? Yeah, from high school. Him and my brother uh, became friends because they were both very much into clothing and they mm-hmm. started a brand together in high school, like high-end men's stuff, like basics, leather jackets, a bunch of stuff, uh, just because they were super interested in it and they weren't very like school-oriented. Uh, so they just wanted to do their own thing and like figure out their own path. That was more of like a passion project didn't really work out just because they didn't have the resources and they were, or they were just kind of selling in, 16, in person 17, at, in high school or in person also like online? to a few stores okay, okay. um like more like wholesale they had an online website so yeah. they had all those things but you know it was like a little project they did in high school and uh when i graduated michigan and i was working in banking like i was like my 
my brother and Mason were still kind of trying to find their thing, right? Like my brother didn't go to college, Mason didn't finish college. And so they were trying to figure it out. And Mason had thought of this name, Mad Happy, right? So this mm-hmm. was around like September of uh, October of the same year I came home. Mm-hmm. 2016 and, or 2020? Yeah, 2016. And sorry, um, when you came home, you didn't really... Like you didn't know what you're gonna do next. No, right? no, no, no. You were just kind of like, it was I, like I, I, what I do know is I'm not going back, but I'll figure. It was it out. like get better and figure it out and get a job Got in it. LA. That was like the extent of it. Got it. Um, and and so my brother, um, so Mason had thought this name Mad Happy. He basically was at one of our friends' last like basketball games at Pepperdine, and he like texted him like I'm mad happy for you, like mm. uh, just randomly, and then he like sent my brother the name, and like they really liked it. And was so, the idea like it's going to be a clothing brand or was no, it so, just I so, like the so name? So then my brother, yeah. So then my brother like a few weeks later was like still like trying to find his way. Like didn't know what he wanted to do and was like, yeah, like I'm interested in like looking more into this thing. Like we want to make some hats and some hoodies and stuff like that with this name. So like I gave them a little money. This was like right before I moved back. Mm-hmm. And they just started like working on it very like slowly and just trying to figure out, okay, like is this something we want to do? Um, and I guess can get into like how we actually started, but that winter when I was feeling better, um, we also had our fourth co-founder, Josh, who was roommates with my brother's best friend. Mm-hmm. So that's how we knew each other. He had heard that we were starting something and wanted to be involved. And he was still a junior in college mm-hmm. at the time. And he's my brother's age. So my brother also would have been a junior. And so we all happened to like be skiing in the same place that winter and like all talked about it for the first time. And, and then that's really what kicked off 2017 and starting the brand. Were your parents supportive of your brother kind of not going to college and just being on this entrepreneurial path or were they more so disappointed that, hey, our older son did it and, you know, you should have at least followed suit for a little bit? I think that with with parents, it's really hard um, when like you have one, like I was like the first kid, right? And anytime like, like that's like the bar you set. Yeah, yeah. So like even if like, even if he loved school, but it was, he was like, 20 30 percent worse it would look much worse than that um and so i think that was kind of a shock to them because one they weren't really used to like the american culture of things right and like i personally didn't drink in high school or didn't smoke in high school or like the things that most kids are doing so i think some of the stuff when my brother was doing it was a little bit harder for them to manage but but I think I'm very we're very lucky that like our parents are very open minded and it wasn't so much that like they needed him to go to college, but it was more like that he's not just like fucking around right. basically. Yeah. Um, so I think like that was hard for my brother because like he was still a good kid at the end of the day. He was just trying to figure out what his path was, and so he was going to SMC and you know just like to please my parents kind of yeah. And, but he really like wasn't fulfilled at all. And it wasn't until he started interning for uh, this guy, Ugo, who's a really big stylist mm-hmm. at the time. And my brother was just interested in the space and started st- um, helping him out. And at the time he was like styling Travis Scott, Justin Bieber, a bunch of people. And he was only like a 21 year old Nigerian guy. Mm-hmm. And so my brother started learning from there and that was kind of his school. And then Ugo started to give my brother clients that he didn't really want to take on. And, and that was how my brother started like, being more active and doing things. And up until the point of like, uh, really as we were starting Mad Happy, he, my brother was on tour with like this band Five Seconds of Summer, like styling them full time. And and so- And how but, old is he at this point, 21? Yeah, so my brother's two years younger than me. So when we started Mad Happy, uh, he was only 20, wow. which so is pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, he turned 21 in 2017. Like he would have been in college at that time, but he was like touring yeah, the world yeah, and he, styling. Yeah, so <laughs> when he was styling, he, he would have yeah. been like a junior in college. Yeah, yeah. Um, and- and so it was pretty cool. And like, I think my parents then understood that it was like a real thing that he was doing. And it wasn't like that he was just fucking around basically. Yep. Right. And, and so ultimately like, we're okay with him not finishing school. Um, and, and yeah, I think like school is very different. Like it's like, you have to kind of be fit for that mold or else it like doesn't work for you. Like sure. He could have got a degree, but like that wasn't going to. Yeah. And it's it. also the, the, you know, another way of looking at it is like, why go waste all that money and time um, when if it's not for you, just like work, go out and work and build experience because you'll be ahead of the game that way. For sure. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you guys are you guys are in you guys are skiing and you guys come yeah. up. You guys you guys have this conversation between yeah. the four of you. What was that conversation? What did you guys talk about at that time? Yeah. So I guess we all knew we wanted to like start something. Um. At the time, like. We, you know, we had the name and we had a couple initial products just in general, like off of like blanks that we were producing on, nothing that we were cutting and selling ourselves. And 
that was like the first time we got together with Josh as well because he was from New York and he was going to Georgetown at the time. And what did Josh do? Like, what was his right? You know, yes. Yeah, so his background was he was also like very young, my brother's age. So he was like in college, right? And he just really wanted to like start something as well. Um, and I think that he saw it as a cool opportunity. Um, and so we kind of decided us four would start it together in a way. Uh, again, like at the time, it wasn't like I knew that this is what I was going to be doing. It was more like, oh, like, let me just help them out mm-hmm. while I'm still getting better and figuring out what I'm going to do next. Um, and of course, like it eventually transitioned yeah. to like, oh, this is like a real thing. But when you guys were like talking about it, how developed was the idea? Like, how deep did it go? And or was it just, hey, we have this name, we like it, let's just make some clothing out of yeah, it? Yeah, that was it. That was yeah. really it. Um, there was no mission. I think, no, I think so. So what we did have was like we had a name and like a more like vibe and like the positivity and optimism that we wanted to push. Uh, but we didn't really know, okay, like we're going to launch online, then we're going to do pop-ups, then we're going to start doing larger scale events and start doing things in the mental health space. I think some of these things grew out of the reaction to what we were doing um, and like just chance things that we happened to do early on in the company. But what was that early on? Like, I mean, even, ap- even after that initial conversation, was the goal, hey, let's just make products and sell it? Like, that's it? So like, how are you different than any other brand? Yeah, so... Uh, so the first thing we did was, yeah, we wanted to release product. And what we were doing was we came out with a few hats, a few t-shirts, a couple of hoodies. And it was and, just Matt Happy on there. It was just Matt Happy on there. But everything had like that stitching that we have like on yeah. our hoods now um, in like different places. Like the t-shirts had it. And that was a more unique thing, right? So we had this name that we knew was like very catchy and people would like. And also like if you see the clothes and you see the hoodie, like you see like the stitching. So you're like, oh, what is that? Um, but those were like the initial two things that like we had on our product mm-hmm. that was more unique. And right. who was uh, who was like the one designing it? Yeah, so so my brother and Mason um, work primarily on the creative. And, and at the time he wasn't working for us full time, but our friend Chuck, who we went to high school with um, and who was always helping Mason and my brother with like different design things, uh, helped um, on the design front, like mm-hmm. on the graphic side. Mm-hmm. Um, something we hear a lot, like from investors and just kind of people who are like studying startups and you know really kind of get in the weeds and like try to extract what makes startups successful and that kind of stuff. On the topic of like kind of co-founders and bringing you know like who who are the people starting the business? Like they always say like bring something to the table that's like different than the other person and that kind of stuff. How how did that dynamic work between four of you? Like was it a clear like each one of you brought something different to the table or was there kind of like, a, you know, a conversation like how are we going to split these roles and that kind of stuff? Yeah, I think earlier on, again, like we didn't know that all of us would still be doing this. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, like when we started, like I wasn't sure what I would be doing next. And so, of course, like the reasoning was like, oh, like all four of us. Yeah, we do think we're bringing something different um, with like me and Josh being more like business operations, Mason and my brother being more like design and creative and all that. But but it wasn't something we thought about a lot, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, obviously, having four co-founders is a lot. Yeah. Um, and the more co-founders you add, like, the more opportunity for just things to go wrong and different dynamics to take place. But or just but like it, never making decisions. Yeah. Or yeah. Or just, yeah. <laughs> so I think earlier on it wasn't a, a conscious decision that we made, but then as we continued to grow and um, be around as a company, it started to take shape in different ways. Mm-hmm. So. You guys are selling product, and then what? I mean, you guys have this website up. How do you get the word out there? Yeah, so... Do you guys have already, like, an established network that you guys got it out to? I mean, what what was that, like, the first few days like? Yeah, so I think, like, we're, we're very lucky to have friends and family that were supporting earlier on, and again... Financially, like, or...? No, not really financially. So to start the business, we put in like twenty thousand total, um, and that was to what buy inventory. Yeah, really, just to buy inventory, basically. And so we produced as much as we could. We launched online um, and got, you know, did some sales to friends. What were like the initial and, items like you carried? Was it yeah, like so it was shirts? like three hats, like two t-shirts, and like three different hoodies. Mm-hmm. Um, again, all like blanks that we had bought and just like embroidered on, right. and had, did the stitching. Um, but then earlier on, like we we were like we want to do some like in real life experiences as well. So we did our first like pop up mm-hmm. um, for like a few weeks on Robertson, mm-hmm. and that was like a cool way. In that like one, we didn't really have enough inventory to like right. like do a lot of sales. So like most of the stuff was sold out like really early on. But 
it let us have a place where we could throw a five five hundred person party and tell mm -hmm. all of our friends and and really start getting the word out because people would come and they would share it and and all that sort of stuff. And what was what were you guys like pushing at that time? Was it just like, hey, we have a brand, or was it again more than that? Like, yeah, so it, it was more like again like earlier on, like we made decisions to like not charge for parties, like let um have everything at the parties be free so everyone was coming and like having a great time and and because like we didn't even have like that much product to sell it wasn't really about the product it was more about like the community around the brand like just like come have fun with your friends that was it and you didn't have to like buy anything to come you didn't have to do any sort of stuff like that so i think that set the foundation for what we ended up doing and how now we formalized it taking it back to you know the initial money that you guys put in i know a lot of our listeners you know we always get questions like what are the best ways to raise funding or start a company, right? Um, you know, we've had people go to the VC route. We've had people go the friends, family, fools route, whatever it may be. I know you mentioned friends, family. What was that conversation like with them? I and mean, what, why did they even help you out? You know, what did you tell them? What was the story? Yeah. So in terms of like, if you're referring to like the initial 20,000, yeah. that was just like money that like we put in ourselves. Just so, had saved up. Yeah. So it wasn't really like that we raised money to start. Right. And I think especially in apparel, like it doesn't really make sense to raise money before right. you launch uh, because you really don't know what you have and which kinds of like twists and turns like the business is going to take. So for us, it was really like we had like 10, 15,000 that we could work with um, that we were just producing as much product as we could with and then just rolling it back and producing more and producing more. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the route we took. Um, just kind of taking money from sales and putting it back into exactly, production. Like, like basically yeah. all the money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At what point do you guys take it from just being, you know, the people that are making clothes to actually developing the brand? Or was that a day one type of thing? Yeah, I think in general, like day one, we were like, my brother and, and Mason and Chuck were very like focused on like creating the brand in a specific way. Um, I think like that summer was when we released like another like of our first products mm -hmm. on on the first hoodie that we produced. This summer twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, and at this point, do you have like a solid community that you've built just from the parties, or was it still? Kinda... No. So like we had at that time we had thrown like two parties. Okay. Um, both in L.A. So no, not really. Um, we were getting support from L.A. and New York, just like different um people that we knew and, and friends of the brand but advertising or not advertising no 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 advertising at all um and just everything basically done on like our social channels like mainly instagram and then like that fall we did a pop-up in new york and that was like more the first time where we released like a more like complete collection with our own products that we had produced and uh through another big party did our first like panel uh on mental health there so like that was when things started to take form in like that october timeline when was the like when did you guys decide hey um this is not going to just be a clothing brand it's going to be a, a platform for mental health like was it kind of after that first kind of pop up or yeah so timeline wise like, yeah so i think like um in october we did like our first like ever panel right um and it was really cool and we saw people like really loved it even though it was like a smaller scale event like 75 80 people um so we were like oh we want to do more of these it wasn't like we had this like brain blast of like oh no now mm. this is the thing but i think over time and over um our couple like a few pop-ups that we had in the following year uh it started really to take form and then want to start doing more in the space so now of course like we have like uh, we're doing like audio like we're recording our podcast on mm. it we have a blog that's fully dedicated to it we do a lot of releases around um with different organizations in the space so it's really like f formed over time and it wasn't something that like we knew day one but we just saw that people really like felt passionate about it and wanted to be involved in it and and it was really like lacking in the conversation. Was this something you were enjoying as somebody who had studied, you know, business and was entering the finance world? Was entrepreneurship and just building this brand something that you personally, you know, were taking liking to? Yeah, for sure. I think like it was cool to have basically like all the decision making power, right? Like everything was in our own hands to be able to pick what we wanted to do, make our own mistakes, learn and grow. Um, and I think it was, it was unique because like, I like challenges like that. Of course, like it was like new territory for all of us. Like we had never launched an, an, a real online store. We had never thrown an event. We had never thrown a pop-up. So I think these were all like new experiences that we were like learning as we were going. So it was really fun, of course, like while being like very stressful. Yeah. Just to talk about that growth. I know you mentioned that first pop-up, you guys obviously didn't have as, as much inventory. So you guys sold yeah. out, but, um, 
when you guys started producing more inventory and, and releasing new stuff, I know that, like the following summer you released a new line. Um, did were you guys like always selling out, or was it kind of a slow kind of growth until was there like a moment where like everything just changed? Yeah, returned? I think earlier on, like um, everything was selling out just due to the nature of like how little product there was. So even when we opened New York, like we we're it was only open for like two or three weeks because mm. like. We made all the stuff, and then it all sold out. And when um, you say little, how how little are we talking? How many pieces per skew? Um, it's a good question, and I, I would really have to think back. But like, are we talking like hundreds? Yeah, like hundreds of total, like five, six hundred total units, right? Yeah. Like, okay. um, in the store. So not um, per skew, like just complete, like this. Yeah, well, we only had like ten ish skews, right? So right? Like fifty, fifty to hundred max of yeah, each thing. Um, and that was was that a. Was that a purposeful decision or was it just like, this is what we have money for? Yeah. Like, we don't really no, know what it was, else to do. It wasn't super purposeful. And I think, like, we definitely made a lot of mistakes there and, like, the splits we were ordering and, and not ordering more hoodies and sweats and all that sort of stuff that we've gotten better at now. But, but I think for us, it was just like, produce as much as we could and, like, see what people like and try to yeah. grow and move yeah. on from there. And your, who was your, like, when you guys were discussing this, whether while skiing or later on, like, who was the audience that you were, targeting like who was this product for for sure i think like we had a cool mix of like you know the 16 to 24 ish year old like kind of like the consumer we were at the time especially mm -hmm. right like my brother and josh were still like 21 at the time like i was 23 so like designing and creating for like that sort of audience um was natural to us because like it was product we that was you guys yeah, yeah. What was the biggest challenge in those first two years or first, I guess, year and a half? Yeah, first year and a half, I would say like um, definitely on like the production side, right? Like we knew nothing about production and trying to work with good vendors and um, dealing with the challenges of producing clothes in LA or frankly anywhere. And, mm -hmm. and then also just executing on the pop-ups was like challenging because like we were building them basically, mm -hmm. right? So it was hard to do that and try to come out with clothes and try to do x releases per year or whatever um and i think that's just stuff you learn as you go along so i know that more recently lvmh for those that don't know louis vuitton moe hennessy right yeah um they led a fundraising round for mad happy um why don't you give us the story and the background of how that all came to be yeah it's a good question and uh, tell us also for those that don't know perhaps you know like what is lvmh and what is their what business are they really in for sure so around the end of last year so like a little over a year and a half after we started was the first time we thought about raising money and it, it, we didn't really want to go the venture route as like i previously mentioned just didn't think it made sense for us so it was really just about getting like strategic people companies groups that have like built amazing brands right so first we went to some people that had been helping us all along like the sweet green founders and different people we knew within our own community um then we would get introduced to a bunch more people and uh in march closed a pretty cool round with just great investors that we thought could help us get to the next March stage. 2019. Yeah, this year. And uh, around the same time, had started having some conversations with LVMH Ventures, like you mentioned, and in October, that part of the round was announced. But for us, it's just cool to have um, an investor that's very strategic and has built all these amazing, so they're, they own 70 plus, very legacy luxury brands, and having them uh, as we look to do more international and, and grow our footprint is like uh, extremely helpful. Uh, when, I guess at this point, did you feel like you guys, I guess obviously you guys had enough like traction, but like, like, like what, a, what were those conversations like? Like when you were like, okay, we got to start raising money. Like at this point, you know, to get in money and, and funding and even like strategic advisors, um, I'm assuming you had to be at a place where you guys were doing really good in sales. Maybe not. I don't know. Like what? Yeah. I mean, I would say that in 2018, we did like around a million in sales, mm -hmm. um, which was a lot, obviously a lot for us at the time. And, but really when we were talking to any types of investors, it wasn't really about like what we had done in the past, right? Like nothing had really been like set up for like right. extreme success from then so we just like we're really pitching like the story around the community we think we had built uh around the pop-ups we were doing around with 
through a 2000 person block party on Maro's place, like just different ways that we were activating the community, especially like around like the mental health space. And then also just like on the product side, like um, how good the product was and how much effort we were putting into that and who was wearing it and who was sharing it and, and all that sort of stuff um, really is how we got people to buy into what we're doing on like a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds like I'm a bad cop. I'm not trying to play that role, but what what was it that attracted LVMH Ventures? I mean, these are again, like you said, they are they own the top luxury brands in the world. They, from what I at least have known or have read, they don't really invest in a lot of like these new startup companies or startup fashion brands. And you guys are these young millennials. You know, was that the reason why they invested? I mean, what what for them? You know, obviously we understand for you why it was strategic, but for them. Why was Matt Happy the right investment? Yeah, it's a good question. I think overall, um, and I don't know if I could comment specifically on that, them specifically, but uh, we've we've really been like pushing this story and narrative we're building around like the community of Matt Happy, and uh, it's it's pretty unique in that other brands like it's it's hard for any brand to get like two thousand people to come to an event on mm-hmm. on Melrose like on a Saturday night. And so seeing some of those things and then seeing what we were doing on, yeah, the more like social mission side um, is, I think, what captured a lot of people early right. on. And and of course, like you said, like it's pretty rare for these super established companies to be investing at an early stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think uh, just a combination of the timing of when we were building our brand and of course, some things luckily going our way uh, helped us get in the door. It, it's hard to say exactly why. And um, you know, maybe in another s- scenario, the same situation would not have played out like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we're just grateful that it did. You guys have had a lot of um, big name people like wear your brand. And I know you mentioned that you guys weren't really doing any advertising. Was that all just kind of like people told them and they liked the idea, like like the aesthetic, like the message behind it and um, some of the names? I mean, like The Weeknd and Gigi Adid and uh, I think... Um, I saw like Casey Musgrave, yeah. like some different. Like, how did that all come about? Yeah, I think all of them a little bit differently. I think one is that yeah, we thought like our product was really good and like fit a lot of people's aesthetic, and they would either ask about it or their stylist would, and um, that's how we would go about things. Um, and then as we start to grow and have like a footprint in like different cities, right? Like people are walking into the LA store, or the New York pop up, or the Aspen pop up. So that's helpful. Yeah. And then like when people found out about like the larger mission and stuff, wanted to be more involved. So whether that's getting more involved on the product side. Like we designed some stuff for Casey's tour. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, just just for fun and to help them out. And and then as we move into next year and are doing a lot of content around mental health, it's like working with these like great people that have really big audiences on like telling cool stories there. Yeah, obviously that's like a dream for any apparel brand to get like the biggest people in the world wearing your your brand. I guess if if for those who are like maybe have an idea for a brand and want to start something of their own, um, what would you say is like, I guess from what you've learned so far, like what is the right approach to take? Um, I know like we talk a lot about community and that kind of stuff, yeah. but do you think that works for every brand? Like, do you think that every brand should take that same approach of building? Like, yeah, no, I think it just really depends like who the specific audience is that your product's made for. Like, like for us, like it made sense to take that approach because it's like mad happy. It's a very inclusive brand. We want everyone to come to our, our stores. We want them to have fun at the parties. We want them to, uh, support the collaborations we're releasing and and that sort of stuff. So I think the first thing is like who the audience ends up being. Like some of this stuff is like I can't think back to how we were thinking about it at the time because like we really didn't know anything back then and we still don't. Um, but I think that ends up being the most like important thing, right? Like if you're creating a very luxury brand, like it's it's much harder to have an initial community around it that people are not spending $3,000 on your jacket and there's not that many of those people that are going to just buy your brand early on. So it's really about like taking like the right strategic steps based on, you know, the price point and, and where you want to be seen and who you want to be wearing your product. So I think it's just very dependent on the specific brand. I'm curious, obviously, you know, I could see the correlation between Mad Happy and mental health in terms of just even the word itself. Yes. But was there any particular reason for you or any of the other co-founders that mental health was such a big topic and a, such a big social issue that you as a team wanted to advocate for and you know build a company really around in terms of the content and whatnot? I mean, there's so many other social issues, especially in LA, you know, homelessness and housing and all these different things. You know, obviously mental health is a huge issue, but was there any personal connection? Yeah, definitely. So 
I think you made a great point that like one like Mad Happy is like very much in the name of it is like trying to promote mental health or even just like get you thinking about it. Uh, I think early on, Mason, who I mentioned had been my friend in high yeah. school, had dealt with a lot of mental health challenges his whole life. And that was like my first friend I ever spoke about mental health with. And so it was very fitting that he had thought of the name and it made a lot of sense for us to mm -hmm. create the brand around that optimism and positivity while being able to talk about the larger right. conversation around you're going to have ups and downs in life. And it's about being optimistic despite those things instead of like always being happy all the time. And I think that really resonated with us. And then when we started doing programming, we saw it re was resonating with other people. And as like social media was going crazy and like all the bullying that was going on and the celebrity suicides and the fact that this is such a big issue that had not been talked about for so long and is now becoming like a really like central part of the conversation. We felt like there's been no brand that has talked about mental health in a very like authentic way without just throwing like stats in your face. And so we felt like we could be that brand. As far as where things go from now, obviously you guys are still su super early in just this whole like process and building the brand. Um, I guess what, like if you could look five years in advance, like the vision that you have, like how do you see Matt Happy um, continuing to stay on the forefront um, and building like this, like, I, it's just also like ties into like brands like Louis Vuitton and like they have, that have been able to s stick around for so, to such a long time. Except yours has like a very deep message behind it, yeah. so I can imagine. I mean, that's obviously a big issue that isn't going anywhere anytime soon, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a thing. So, um, how do you see that golden out? Yeah, I think for us, like we're just trying to continue to do like bigger and better things, um, and continue like being and making the right moves for our brand. I think one thing we did early on was set a really high bar with all the collaborations we do and all the partnerships we do and where all our pop-ups are. And I think that high bar has put us in a good spot because now as we continue to branch out with more international stuff and bigger and better collaborations, like uh, there's like that trajectory of where the brand's going, right? And I think that that's how we see it rolling out and getting more into like not just the clothing stuff, right? But like the content around mental health and just optimism and happiness in general uh, is like another layer to our brand that can live without just the clothes as well, right? So we think like those are some of the important um, and key ways that like we can keep doing bigger and better things because of course it's like hard to be quote unquote relevant for like forever, right? right. And and I think like our A lot of clothing brands- you know, have like a high rise and then even steeper decline. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think like one thing that we were wary of early on is like, we knew people would wear the brand because like the name's really good and stuff, but like if they were going to keep wearing it, like the product would also have to be really good. And right. we're not, no offense, but we're not printing on like Gildan hoodies yeah. and, and just like trying to sell like a bullshit product. Like we really believe in our product and uh, we think it's some of the best stuff out. And and so that combination of of how we've been doing things, I think will uh, keep us going as a young guy i mean you're what 25 years old yeah how how has your life changed in terms of being somebody who's just a student recently and i mean i think that we're always all students right but to becoming more of a leader right to becoming you know a leader of people on your team becoming a leader in this space in terms of not only fashion but mental health i mean it's a complete you know mental shift right like how, how has that transition been, been been for you? Yeah, definitely, definitely hard. I think that when you're starting a brand or when you're starting any company, like the initial stuff is more around like, can you operate and can you get this product out and, and all of that. But then as you start growing, it becomes more of like the leadership aspect of like raising money or managing a team or hiring or uh, all these different topics. And I think that's not something that we... I think thought about earlier on and I think now it's so important right as we as we hire building the right culture as we grow the company having the right leadership in place and the right management processes that like you're not really thinking about when you're just starting a brand because it's like four of us and we're just mm -hmm. doing everything uh, but I think a big shift and I think it's like a cool challenge that like I enjoy taking on right. so th that's kind of what makes the job fun and fulfilling but of course like there's very like dark moments in like any company you start, right? Like it's, it, it is very stressful and like it, it, the responsibility is all on you. So that's like the harder stuff. And I think like people glorify like entrepreneurship now and like everyone thinks they need to start their own company and like talking about like the other side of it, um, just as we're doing in the mental health conversation is like really important. 
um, because it's not easy, right? And it's not like, like the glamorous stuff is only like a lot of the stuff is after the fact and you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. So we're trying to do like our part and being able to talk about that side mm-hmm. as well. How do you keep your own mental sanity? Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. And I think like this year specifically, like we've gotten like so much more like busy than even we were last year and 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 trying to find a balance between um, working out, hanging out with friends, relaxing, hanging out with family, running this company is like, really hard and and i don't think that it's really possible to ever be in like a perfect balance um so i think just trying to do my best uh and our team's best at like putting everyone in like good positions to like be successful so trying to go to the gym every day or trying to just take some time to yourself every day and i think our office being here helps um because like there's like Mm -hmm. a gym here now and it's very convenient and and now there's almost no excuse but of course, like it's a challenge and like not something that I have figured out at all yet. Um, and something that, especially going into 2020, like I want to make a focus because um, it's one, it's like we can't try be pushing this like mental health conversation forward if we're not also right. um, fully engaged in doing our best. And two, also realizing that like there are a lot of ups and downs as we're going to continue building this. So uh, we have to be ready to go for like the long haul, right? And it's not just like, it's not something that you could just sprint and be done. And this is going to like take a long time. So you have to like take care of yourself enough to be able to get there. Um, fast forward, like, I don't know, like 60, 70 years, like looking back, like, it, it, you know, what's, what is something that, you know, if you were to look back and say like, um, you know, if I did this, if Matt happy accomplished this, you know, I'll be, I'll be happy. I'll die happy. Matt happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think for us, like, it's been a very fulfilling job and and thing we've we've undertaken because like we're we don't really know exactly how things will turn out and like if I looked if I go back to like last December like I would have had no idea like all this stuff happened um, so I think like we try to like we're trying less and less to like say exactly how we think it's gonna play out because then we kind of like are underselling it too and like are not thinking about the full potential of what this could be um, but I think for the most part like we're we're gonna be very we're we're already very proud and 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 happy about what we've been building and I think it's just more like adding on top of that and yeah. it's not really at the end of the day about like if we make a lot of money off of it like of course that like you know that would be great this is a business at the end of the day but it's also about like like we're just trying to put ourselves in the best position for this company to be successful and like there's gonna be other factors that like play a role in that and we can't really control those for sure. All right, well, hey man, this has been awesome, um, dude. Uh, like you guys, you guys def- definitely built an amazing brand in the last couple of years, <laughs> and I'm sure that it's going to be even bigger in the next co- two years. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting to like listen back to this um, sure. one day and be like, oh my god, like that makes total sense. Of like, I see where they're at now and the mindset that you know you and your team had at this very moment. So, thank you so much for being on the show and blessing the pod, and we're excited to see where Matt Happy goes and you guys go from here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah.